this is the Just Bloody Post-It podcast and I'm your host, Helen Perry. It's a show for people who want to grow a thriving online community to wrap around their work and support it like a group hug. Our guest today has a gang like that of like-minded souls who've been hanging out on her blog and Instagram since forever. Erica Davis is a fashion editor turned blogger, turned Instagram style and interiors influencer and author. Now she uses her platform to develop products for big brands. I can't tell you how fired up and excited I get about it because it comes from my followers. If I can be the middle person and say, right guys, what are we missing on the high street? I've got the ear to the biggest high street brand in the country. How amazing is that? I chat to Erica about creating your own magazine on Instagram, the boundaries she's got in place to protect her from the downsides of social media, taking influencer marketing to a new, more mature and sought out space. Her dad, how she feels about Instagram reels, my crush on Joe Wiley and writing books. But first, I asked Erica where her passion for fashion comes from. I have always, always been obsessed with magazines, always bought fashion magazines, knew quite early on that I wanted to be a journalist. So everything was kind of guiding me that way. And then when I was at university, I just wrote to everybody. I knew that it was, I wasn't in a position where my parents knew somebody. I grew up in the northwest of England. You know, my my mum worked for Unilever. My dad worked for Shell. They had nothing to do with journalism or that industry. So it really was going to take just kind of knocking on doors, which I did. And I was very happy to do that because I was determined. Um, and I eventually got work experience with Jane Galpin at the BBC on a morning show called Style Challenge, which I absolutely loved. It was just so exciting. Moved down, lived with my aunt and uncle who lived in Seven Oaks in Kent. And I used to commute in every day. And it just went from there. And then I met people. I met the fashion editor of the Daily Mirror and she offered me a job as fashion assistant over there. And that's really how I started. And I ended up becoming the youngest ever fashion editor on the Sun newspaper when I was 24. And I was there for 10 years. And then I went and had my children, met my husband there, went and had my children. And then I went to Look Magazine as Fashion and Beauty Director before I, well, I'd sort of set up my blog, The Edited, when I was just about to have my second child, because I sort of you know, knew what knew what it would be like. And I knew that I'd have time and I wanted to keep my hand in. I really, really wanted something to kind of keep my creative juices flowing while I was doing monkey music and pushing two babies around the supermarket. So I just did it for that reason. And then it grew and grew and grew. And that's it. That's kind of where we are now. So now I'm more of a content creator. I work with brands. And I almost, I think about it as I edit my own magazine on my Instagram. So I don't have any agenda. It's just me. I don't have to answer to an editor anymore. And I think that's why lots of former journalists or current journalists can run brilliant Instagram accounts because they recognise, or blogs, they recognise that that's what you're doing. You're writing your own magazine. How do you create content that is as effective and as compelling as something that you would see in a, in a big mag just when it's just you? 
I'm very much a sort of visuals and writing kind of a person. So even though it might occasionally be me in the pictures, I'm still thinking about that picture. I can almost not look at it as though it's me, if that makes sense. I can be quite um, objective about it. So for me, those two things are absolutely paramount. I think that you have to have a point to your caption I don't want this to be a vanity project. So it's not just a picture of me, you know, in a nice dress. It has to be a reason that I'm posting that dress. Um, I love a story. So anything new, anything that's kind of um, newsworthy that I would once have written a news article about that I could then create a caption about, I just absolutely love. I love sharing new brands. I love sharing small businesses. I love anything that people go, oh, I haven't heard of that before or, you know, something that will just make people think. But then the flip side is that I also love sharing inspiration. So I love sharing my home, for example, because it gives me such joy to decorate and to put things together. So I love Instagram for that reason. It just really gives you that sense of um, you can do what you like. And as, as long as I feel that it might help someone or it might inspire somebody or it might just put a smile on somebody's face, I think that's my reason for, for kind of posting it. There's about 150,000 things that I'd like to ask you about just on the basis of what you've just said. I'm going to start with creativity. So I work with lots of people who are creative, who need a creative outlet. What is it about fashion and interiors, do you think, that satisfies that in you? The fact that you could wake up in the morning and you can decide how you want to portray yourself to the world that day. You could wear whatever you like. You know, your you love your red lipstick. I love my red lipstick. It, that is, it's kind of like an armour. It's a way of feeling and looking professional. I love that sometimes I just want to put my sweatshirt on and have no makeup and really, you know, go to town on my skincare routine. I just feel that with fashion and interiors, it opens up this creative outlet. And actually, I think the two work really well next to each other. I think if you can put a really good outfit together, you can put a great room together because it's the way you layer and the way you use colour in proportion and print in proportion and all of that sort of stuff together. So I think it's just it gives you the opportunity to express yourself in a way that nothing else does. I feel like quite a lot of people that listen to this show will will know, will have a sense of your look, but how do you build it? What things do they all have in common? It's interesting because for a long time I was very happy with my work look. My They were very compartmentalised, so I would have my going to the office outfits and I'd be sorted. And then I had my weekend casual looks. And now since I've been freelance, which is probably getting on for the best part of eight years, I think now, uh, they've obviously merged. So I am very happy in midi length, colourful printed skirts, printed dresses. I like contrasting them. I love mix and match. So I like clashing prints and colours. And I think I'm pretty similar with my my decor style. I love a bit of vintage thrown in, in wardrobe and in home. So it's a kind of mix of things for me. It was interesting, I was talking to a friend yesterday about this very subject and we were saying how we can kind of see when something looks right to us. Obviously, it's entirely subjective, but I could see two colours together and know instantly whether they work. And similarly, I can look at two colours together and think, no, they're not quite right. And I think 
Um, that's what I try and explain. I don't want it to be super prescriptive on my Instagram. I really want to give people the confidence to find out what they genuinely like themselves. And I really hope that comes across because I don't, I'm so sick of, and that's what my book was about. It was about sort of ripping up the rule book and trying to find out what it is that you actually like yourself and how you can put those things together yourself. Why do you think you work on Instagram? How do you bring yourself to your content in a way that allows other people to kind of see it and recognize, you know, a like-minded soul? Oh, that really makes me happy hearing that because that's actually what I genuinely love. I love the fact that I feel as though my followers are just these kind, like-minded souls, you know, that if we all met in the pub, we'd all get on like a house on fire. That's genuinely how I feel. I'm very much myself on there. However, that isn't to say that I don't have my boundaries. I definitely, definitely do. And as time has progressed, I've strengthened those boundaries a lot. I've never really shown my children. They are 12 and 10 now. So they've been, I've been doing this for most of their lives. I just never felt comfortable. I really, really made the decision that this was um, me as fashion editor. This was my work and I didn't bring my children to the office. I'm not going to bring them here. And that isn't to say it doesn't work for hundreds, thousands of people on Instagram. And it does, uh, just doesn't, doesn't feel right for me. So that was one of them. I don't tend to show my husband, A, he'd hate it, but also I don't, my children and my husband are the most precious things in the world to me. And I'm super protective of that and our life. I don't really share where I live. I'll sort of be quite vague about it, but I don't sort of... There's lots of things like that. I do talk about my dad. So my dad has Alzheimer's. I don't go into specifics about it. Do you talk about that because you feel it might be helpful for other people though? That's what, yes, that's that's how I, that's how it comes across to me. And, And also from a selfish point of view, you know, I, I want to know that I'm not alone either. It's really lovely to get those messages from people who might be a little bit further along this horrible journey and they might be able to offer advice or I might be able to share some advice to people who are a little bit behind me in the journey. So yeah, it's not something I dwell on. It's not something I want to talk about because actually it's really hard and I, as much as I possibly can without being insincere, I try and keep it upbeat. I don't want to come on Instagram and start talking about things that bring people down my god the world is hard enough at the moment and actually if I can offer people a little bit of respite and a bit of colour then that's fine with me so all of those things I think really matter to me but that's not to say that I won't give people enough information that they kind of get a sense of me and where I am in my life. It's very possible to have it as a workspace, though, I think. You said when you started the edited, you did it intentionally because you knew you were going to be stepping away from work. So did you always have a mind that it it might be part of your future work, creating stuff for yourself? No, no? actually, I I didn't. And I think that's a really important point because I think there is an expectation that you might be able to create a work out of this. I certainly didn't think that. And I think if you go into it with the expectation, it's sort of leading to failure because you're not sure. You just cannot determine how people will find you, accept you, respond to you. You just have no kind of guidebook to that at all. 
And I think mine was purely and simply, I wanted that creative outlet while I had two very small children. I loved my job. I felt very, I felt like my job sort of defined me in a lot of ways. You know, I used to, I'd be Erica from Look or I'd be Erica from The Sun or Erica from The Mirror. And then I was suddenly just Erica. Oh, right. Okay. What, who am I now? And I did go back to work. I went back to look after having my second child, but I was only there for about two years. And then I started to be approached more and more by other publications, by other brands to do things that I just wasn't able to do because I worked for another magazine already. So it just got to the point where I just thought, actually, the work-life balance isn't working anyway. All of my salary was paying for a nanny four days a week. And I was just, you know, coming home with sort of £100 at the end of the month that was what I was earning. So it was it was pretty tricky, but I just made the decision that actually I'd, I'd see what it was like. When did you think, oh, right, okay, that's an income stream, potentially? So pretty early on, I would be offered jobs with brands that I had worked with for a long, long time. So people like Marks, brands like Marks and Spencer, Debenhams, you know, the sort of the high street stalwarts that I had spent my entire career working with. I had those contacts. So that gave me a head start. However, I think once I left the magazine, a lot of the contacts kind of moved away because it's just, it's the way it works. They they want the people attached to the magazines and the publications. And But then I think you just have to kind of slowly, slowly, you have to believe that what you're doing has an audience. And I could see that because my numbers were increasing. I could see that from the response I was getting in terms of messages and comments, that there was an audience. And I just sort of started building my confidence. I actually thought, I'm going to give it a shot. And if nothing else, then I will go and copyright. I'll do copywriting for people. You know, I'll just, I'll, I'll try and make something work. But it did. And then we moved out of London. And that's when everything changed. And I, I genuinely think it's because I wasn't trying to compete with all the cool people in London anymore. I had a house to decorate. My friends used to say, well, just put yourself on it because we want to see what you're wearing. Now, you're, you know, doing school run and working from home. We want to know what you're wearing and where you're going to get these things. So it just it was a gradual process. But then I was approached by an agent and I went with them for a while. And then it just started to go up a gear. Influencer marketing's it's ma- maturing now. And I feel, uh, without kind of putting words into your mouth, that you have started to develop some more grown-up strategies of working with brands. And you, you did an amazing partnership with John Lewis around wider calf width boots. How strategic are you now about what kind of work you're doing in that line of work? Pretty strategic. So I don't want to work with lots and lots of brands. I would rather work with a few that we've selected. So I now have my own manager, Lucy. We made this strategic decision that we didn't want to work with lots and lots and lots of different brands. For a start, to a follower, it looks confusing. It looks slightly chaotic if you're working with one brand one week and then the next week you're working with a competitor but you said that that brand was really good last week you know there's all these sorts of thoughts so now we work on three month plus partnerships I work with John Lewis regularly I'm sort of developing 
lines of product, which is what I started that doing that with QVC. So I did a homeware collection with QVC a few years ago. It's exactly what I want to do. I can't tell you how fired up and excited I get about it because it comes from my followers. If I can be the middle person and say, right, guys, what are we missing on the high street? I've got the ear to the biggest high street brand in the in the country. How amazing is that? That just it just excites me so much. How does that artistic process work with you? So I pitched the idea to them okay. with a 20 page document and I was I had all the information from followers. I had all the comments from followers. And then I was really, really specific. We did about three rounds of samples because I knew exactly what I wanted. I didn't want frumpy. I wanted cool. I wanted the the boots that we see, you know, designer boots. I wanted those on the high street. Can we get those for the money? I said no to leathers. I said no to suede. You know, I was right in there, different, choosing the colours. We've just done another one, um, sample run through. So we will go through and CAD up all the design ideas initially. They'll go off and be made into samples and then the samples are returned. And that's when we can kind of say, no, that don't like that toe shape. Not sure about that heel height. Can we do that in a pale pink colour? You know, all of those sorts of things. So absolutely. And then if I can't get there in person, we have Zoom meetings. I'm on WhatsApp with all the buyers and the designers. So yes, I mean, it is. it has been so creatively fulfilling and just a dream because they sold so brilliantly. That's because you've got golden market research, you know, coming through your account. And actually, you know, I say this to people all the time, you can really, if you actually really care to listen to what people say to you in conversations, you can design exactly what they need. And that's why those brands are really lucky to have a fully authentic influencer, even if you don't like that word. I actually, don't, I, I, I don't hate that word. Do you, do you hate that word? I do hate that word. But you I do? Because I still kind of consider, I consider that I'm still a fashion editor. So I, I was always a journalist. I wasn't an influencer. To me, an influencer sounds like it's somebody who likes shopping. I was having this conversation with someone the other day and they said, well, you're an author and a fashion editor. Just say that. So it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> How big would you like the Erica Davis kind of design project to get? Well, do you have good work-life balance now? Yes, very. Um, yeah, and I can slope off if I want to. This is another one of my boundaries that, and and you know, I'm 45. I'm getting quite um, probably perimenopausal, and I can feel that sense of anxiety sometimes. And I'll start looking at things, going, "Well, hang on, why am I not at that event, or why am I not?" being invited there and it's ridiculous because at any other time of the month I'd be absolutely fine but I can see I can feel that coming on now and I would just rather put my phone down turn it off for a few days not worry about posting it's also the time when I would become increasingly touchy if I got a snarky comment whereas again the rest of the time absolutely fine so I think I've just learned more coping techniques for myself and that is just a step away more. How do you feel about Instagram now, having journeyed with the platform for quite a number of years? Are you on board with reels and videos? Is that something you're forcing yourself to do, not forcing yourself to do? How, how do you feel I'm about not it? forcing myself. I'm certainly not thrilled about it, but I can see the value and I really enjoy other people's reels. And I think it gives... 
I think that's what I love about Instagram is it how much it democratizes people's talents. And actually, you know, you might not have trained as a journalist or a fashion editor, but you're really brilliant at putting things together. And you're really brilliant at creating video content. And it just gives people those platforms. So I wouldn't say my strength lies in the video and reels content, but I do enjoy it. If that is the case, then if it's not your absolute natural happy place how are how are you trying to make it work for you I'm trying to just get the balance right and I will very often ask my audience what they like and whether they're and I have to say the vast majority are just not really that into reels but they appreciate that it's the way that you your platform is the platform's going really and I like TikTok I like watching TikTok um my children are all over TikTok but I can never see myself being on TikTok. <laughs> I think when you're in this business of like uh, uh, of community growth, you're very you're very attuned with trends and what's happening and where it's going next and algorithms and blah blah blah. But I'm not sure that actually normal people are. No, <laughs> and those are probably your your customer or your audience. Yeah. So yeah, and I'm, I'm tr- I try not to get too consumed with the algorithm. It's going to change. We don't own our platform. So, of course, they've got they've got the right to move it around however they deem fit. It's annoying sometimes, but I'm not going to get hung up that sometimes my feed's shown to three people and sometimes it's shown to, you know, 100,000 people. To me, as long as I'm pleased with the content that I'm putting out there, that's really all that matters. And in terms of ads and things, I think once you get to that stage, by the time you've posted it, you've signed it off the brand signed it off they've read everything that there is to read they've been okay with everything there is to read they've asked you to change anything if they want by the time you put it out there everyone's happy within your circle and then it's up to the instagram gods previously i think i would have really stressed out if an advert hadn't done particularly well now i just think well i'm i was really happy with that and the brand were really happy with that and that's all i can do I think the other thing you have to remember as well for small businesses listening is that there is such a halo effect with Instagram. So while people might not immediately swipe up and buy, I will very, very often get messages weeks later saying, a few weeks ago, you mentioned this. I forgot to screenshot it. Could you remind me? You know, there is that or, you know, oh, I saw that on your feed. And when I went shopping on Saturday, I actually picked it up. So they might not be, you know, giving you the affiliate link, which is totally fine, by the way. But they are remembering that they saw it on your feed, and they're buying it anyway. So I think you have to think about things in the in that halo effect as well. If you are not headed to TikTok, Erica, what's the, the future of your own marketing strategy? We're quite strategic about who we want to work with I think and we've got definite plans I'd love to do more product design so I'm sort of working on things and I am working on book number two which is very exciting so do you find it hard do you find writing books hard such a big chunky bit of work Uh, it is my husband's also a ex-journalist and he gave me some really good advice he said it doesn't matter just write something on the page doesn't matter if you change it all tomorrow just get something on the page so you're not looking at a blank page don't expect it to be perfect straight away with this one 
I've got a very strong idea for it. And also it's going to be much more visual. So Leopard is a Neutral was not visual. It just had illustrations throughout. This one is going to be much more kind of style advice and guidance and images, which is really exciting. So it's going to be a completely different kind of book, but based along the same theme. And very excitingly, you work with Joe Wiley, who is just the best friend I've not yet had. How did that how did that come about? Her producer Anna got in touch and just said that Joe loved my Instagram and loved the fact that I was an ex-fashion editor and would I be interested? And I said, uh yes, Joe is my absolute girl crush. I get quite um giddy. <laughs> I shouldn't probably say that. But you know, I'm sort of speaking to Joe Wiley on the phone and it's like I'm talking to my friend and we have chats in between the music and things while I'm on and I just I just love it. I'm do, I also do this morning occasionally in such a different dynamic because obviously that's a lot of sitting around and waiting and I love the team over there. The fashion girls are amazing. But the, the difference is that doing Joe Wiley, I can literally be sitting as I am with you today in my trackie. <laughs> oh, and just for anybody, I'm just, it's occurring to me now that there will be people listening who don't know what we're talking about. You go, you're a regular guest on Joe Wiley's evening show on Radio 2. So she's got a regular thing called the Culture Club and I am the style expert on that. So she has Candice Brathwaite talking books, she has somebody talking films, you know, there's lots of different people talking different subjects and I'm the style person. It's so lovely to see women occupying more of this space and airwaves and time. Thank you so much for your time, Erica. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. I've loved it. Thanks, Helen. So we don't all have a background as a fashion editor and all the helpful skills that gives you, but there are a couple of takeaways I'd like to draw your attention to. First of all, what's the point? When Erica shares an image or video, she makes sure it has a point every time. Make sure that there's something in it for your followers. And also, I love the way that she considers herself the editor of her content. It's almost incidental that she happens to be the person in the picture or the video. It's helpful, I think, for your self-esteem and comparisonitis to be able to separate yourself from your content in that way and become the editor of it. If you love this show, subscribe so you don't miss an episode and tell your friends we love new listeners. I'll be back soon. Bye. Bye.